is is important and 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 you find there's there's this kind of welcome to the lifelong learning podcast with chris mcguire My first guest is Gavin Hayes. Gavin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So, first of all, um, could you just explain your current role? Uh, my current role is learning leader within the Catholic Education Office at uh, Parramatta. And the purpose of my role is supporting a number of schools within the diocese, uh, both secondary and, and primary schools regarding the different learning agendas that the school has. So supporting their leaders in in how they, they do that work with their staff and, and also being a bit of a, a critical friend for, for how we can uh, look to modify to, to improve their overall practice for the, the improvement of student learning. Mm-hmm. And we've uh, worked in the same, I guess, vicinity before, but you were, were you assistant principal at Parramatta Maris? Yep. So I was assistant principal at Parramatta Maris for about six years. And prior to that, um, I was uh, the leader of curriculum um, and PBL coordinator. And prior to that, a, a year nine coordinator for a couple of years. We'll get to the PBL stuff in a moment. Yep. But you are also currently doing your PhD. Yep. So does that mean you understand APA referencing? <laughs> I try to. Um, there's, there's a lot uh, a lot there within it, but you definitely get quite good at it when you submit it to your supervisor and it, and it all comes back. So, yeah, getting better there. Okay, so I wanted to ask you about feedback in the classroom. Um, and first of all, what is your philosophy on feedback and learning? Um, yeah, very good. Um, so f- for me with feedback, I think it has to be just in time. Um, and I think it has to be something that's also differentiated. So I think that often teachers, um, see, see feedback also, uh, linked to formal assessment and, um, probably don't do enough of it and don't provide it, uh, for the students at the appropriate time. So, what I've always seen a lot in a secondary context is that it's it's often after summative assessment and doesn't really mm-hmm. help the students. Um, so it, to break that down, so it's the end of a, an assessment task or assignment. I've got feedback, which could be a, a quantitative number. Yep. And I've got a few comments there. Yep. Work harder. Try, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, different things like that and and it's it's often task specific and then all of a sudden they they move on to a to another task which is the next unit and it may be 12 months time um in the next year before that feedback becomes relevant to apply um often it's very um content specific not not based on on skills and 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 um and and a problem that i see as well is that the language that is used is not accessible by the students either Okay, yeah, so um, kind of talking the language of the student, um, maybe not over using technical language or is that... Yeah, definitely. So like even, even some of the work that the diocese has done with data walls, it highlights the the especially the, the language levels of students within our schools and, mm-hmm. and um, for for students that the, they have trouble just accessing that language in the first place, which is uh, obviously the result of the... the um, how they've gone with on the the assessment, and then the teacher then overlays that with with um, a, a lot of teacher talk that the student can't can't access. Can't grasp. Yeah, definitely. Um, timely feedback. Yep. So, 
a student's working on a set task, there would be a learning intention, for example, yep. potentially, with a success criteria. How does timely feedback fit in with that construct? Yeah, I th- well, I think it's an important part. I think it's it's um, the, the, the time of the feedback um, has to be something that allows the student to feed forward into the next part of the learning. But, but also trying to um, – one thing teachers probably don't do enough of is trying to identify – um, different strategies that that can improve the quality of their their work. So um, sometimes with the, the there's this feeling that that feedback always has to come from the teacher, mm-hmm. always has to become you know in a written format. So I've been in classes where, um, especially in a, in a project based group environment where a teachers giving feedback to the group, um, it's appropriate timing. Um, but it would it would take a considerable amount of time for the teacher to constantly write down that feedback to each of the students' mm-hmm. groups to move on to the next one. So using strategies where it's recorded mm-hmm. um, or the feedback isn't given to the group unless there's a scribe within the group that's writing down that feedback. Um, rubrics are another really good if, if they're really well constructed mm-hmm. um, at at the start um, of the project or you know the success criteria within the lesson. They themselves are really appropriate um, feedback uh, tools for the for the teacher themselves. And do you see rubrics? Now you mentioned it um, as a self uh, kind of diagnostic uh, tool for students. So even just that self assessment, so they can understand. Well, I I believe that I'm here based on this rubric, and here's the next step. Do you see that as a valuable tool in the classroom? Oh, definitely. I'm a probably a, a I really like mastery and and uh, work that I've done within the flipped environment. Really think mastery's um, something that I try and build into into anything that I undertake. So, and I think the rubric just provides that those those benchmark pathways that students can identify and be given feedback, whether it's self, the teacher, or the other students that they're working with. This is where we're at. Mm-hmm. And this is how how I move to the to the next step, um, and and that that ability um, for that feedback to to be an opportunity for the student to then improve upon what where they're at. So sometimes, if it's only summative feedback, it's you know it's not very good for the student just to know this is where I am, and mm-hmm. and you know they need that opportunity to resubmit or to build upon what they've already done. Yeah. So I like it. You mentioned before the mode. So mm. you know traditionally teachers have have written down on a piece of paper but you you're talking about recording and I, I, I'm, I'm interested in that at the moment um, for for this task I'm working on um, about recording feedback and making that a, a available but m- more more importantly uh, utilizing the affordances of technology and how that can enhance feedback have you in your experience seen some really good examples of how teachers are utilizing technology to provide feedback or even just provide that path for autonomy in learning yeah well definitely you know on a very basic level just google docs teachers um from a lot of the schools that i've gone to in the last six months i've seen a greater willingness capacity of teachers using google docs and, and using commenting features within there to provide um students feedback yep. um the, probably the, the other aspect is that building of the flipped environment. There's probably more teachers um, who are working with exemplary work samples mm-hmm. and um, breaking down the, the attributes um, of that sample um, for students to 
once again comes back to that just in time. So there'll be mm-hmm. a point in time where a student will need to access and, and unpack um, what's in that, that video. So that's probably the, the, the other aspect where I've seen some really good use of technology and, mm-hmm. and different aspects within the flipped environment where teachers may be on a bare minimum talking to a, um, a, a PowerPoint or something like that to the point where, where teachers recording on, on, a, on a whiteboard and, mm-hmm. and, um, or, or a glass a light board and and you know doing some really good deconstructing for the students. Mm. What are your thoughts on this question? For learning to occur, there needs to be teaching. Mm. Ding, ding, yeah, ding, yeah, ding. yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah, it, it it depends what you mean by teaching and how you mm-hmm. how you define that. Um, so, um. And, and teaching itself for me can mean a, a, a multiple of things. I think um, uh, as I uh, done some work over the last year, a couple of years with project based learning and problem based, um, I would probably see my teacher teaching moved more towards designing the learning environment for mm-hmm. my students. So, yep. so I, I probably I'm going to side with that in terms of um, I don't see teaching as the the teacher transmitting the information mm-hmm. um but I, I i don't really like the word facilitator i'm i'm very against that Ooh, in terms of break that down for us um so so what what happened in our our journey um as a school uh as um teachers started to design these engaging projects they really um lost sight of their place within that classroom environment while the students were working in groups and, and yep. really identified oh, i'm the i'm the facilitator now i'm i'm facilitating um, mm-hmm. The learning and and what what happened was that um, they hid behind this theory of inquiry as this organic um, that if you give mm-hmm. a question, um, the, this inquiry process will organically evolve well, and, and, and the students get mm-hmm. there and not really understanding that that it is a highly structured and and process not, not structured in the way that teachers conveying the, the information but. Mm-hmm. But the teacher needs to design the environment that appropriate scaffolds are put in place for the students um, if they're unable to progress within that inquiry and resourcing and different things like that. And you mm-hmm. really have to know uh, each of the students um, and where they're at at that point in time. So that kind of uh, formative assessment is really, really important to know mm-hmm. where, where students are at and, and what resources are going to help them to, to move forward. So what I saw was teachers just really doing a lot of work at the start of a project and then not not a lot and getting very disappointed um the end results for the students mm-hmm. um and 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 hid behind this kind of i'm the facilitator now mm-hmm. so with and with inquiry and pbl i mean essentially there are different paths for students to to acquire skill and apply and whether it be you know acquire content as well but there's obviously different pedagogical approaches and, and philosophies yeah and built within both um learning approaches yeah so but within both approaches would you say one of the most important skills is for the teacher to be still critically thinking about their students where they're at how they could differentiate and as you mentioned before how they can provide specific feedback to each individual student yeah, hundred percent. So the and and it's it's um coming back to why you want to do something like inquiry or project based learning and and first and foremost for me it it's it's about changing the learning environment from teacher centred where everyone has to move at the same mm-hmm. pace as me as the teacher um to a learning environment that's student centred that um, 
especially in project-based, you have groups moving at different paces, but then students within the groups moving at different paces. So it becomes quite a, a complex, murky... Learning and, ecosystem. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and so for you as a teacher, if, if, if you're not on top of knowing where we're progressing and, and where people uh, are struggling and providing those interventions at the appropriate time, mm-hmm. um, the learning opportunities afforded to the students are not maximised. And that's why that, that inquiry process to be done... Uh, effectively has to have that formative um, Mm -hmm. work done by the teacher in in, in collecting that evidence. Um, But that goes along with that, that feedback cycle has to come back to help the students to move to the next um, Mm -hmm. part. And inquiry itself, it's it's really that brings in that complex problem solving um, ability for us as teachers to, to have that, um, that higher order thinking. And, one of the things I, I call it, uh, and I associate it with PBL, I call it the, the PBL funnel. So, uh, and I look at um, uh, a lot of people talk about Hattie and, and his high impact teaching strategies and different mm-hmm. things and like different that. Ratings and yeah, yep. and 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 if you look at the the one, the strategies at the the top end of um, his high impact, you know, uh, strategies. There's metacognition. There's mm-hmm. um, feedback for students. There's formative assessment. Um, there's learning environments, uh, l- learning yeah. environments there's uh, explicit instruction, which is still a part of... There are 150 of those. Oh, there's a fair there's few. A fair, yeah. <laughs> but but all of those, for me, um, feed into uh, an environment that PBL creates. It creates mm-hmm. this this opportunity for me as a teacher to be more purposeful with my formative assessment, yep. more indiv- individualised with the feedback that I provide for students. Mm-hmm. Um and and so more than just saying that the PBL is is a strategy, it's it's an opportunity that brings in a whole lot of effective strategies together. Mm-hmm. With um with PBL, um, I've been doing a bit of reading about uh, constructivism. Um, do you see parallels with you know students engaging in authentic um, and and creating something? As a mode of learning, do you um, see parallels with PBL? Or? Oh, definitely. I think you know. I think they they share some some very strong similarities, and and um, and and for some people that would probably struggle, even myself, to differentiate between the two of them. And I mm-hmm. think that's that's the key um, with with PBL is that ability for students to construct. Whether, whether you know it's constructing knowledge and constructing mm-hmm. and applying that in a physical. Um, sense so, yep. uh, and if we look at learning gains that students uh, have had, um, in my experiences within in PBL, when when they've created something that stayed just as a simulation, I don't think they've they've got that deep level and scope of knowledge to the point where they've actually had to had to build and work with something. So, a really good example: our Year Nines they do a project integrated with. Um, uh, it's uh, Boy in the Striped Pajamas is the text that they learn through English, mm-hmm. and it's World War Two, um, which is their history content. So it's an integrated project that they work on for ten weeks, but um, they have to create a museum exhibit for a specific character within that they're that they're assigned. Mm-hmm. But as as an entire grade, they have to create the museum that follows um, an appropriate narrative. And mm-hmm. so they get in, and they, they and and their exhibits um, have to be interactive. They have to mm-hmm. um, have to have, and it's a higher order skill oh. to be able to empathise with the character, and the 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 learning that needs to take place for that to even come to fruition is 
it's quite unique. Yes, definitely, and and it brings in and and that's it's something um, as an individual you can't do. So the group is important within this context. You can't bring in all these different attributes to create an exhibit within in a museum by mm-hmm. yourself. It mm-hmm. has to has to take in the different perspectives of the students and they have to work together to be able to do that. And then if you overlay that um, as 180 students then have to make some decisions on how this narrative's going to then um, flow, as most museums do, uh, it, it, it is highly complex. Mm-hmm. Um, and students, if they're not being given feedback on where they're at, they're, they're not going to be successful in, yeah. in constructing that. Have you had much experience? I know there's a revised Bloom's tax taxonomy as a cognitive approach yep. to build construct um, knowledge have you had much experience with the solo taxonomy um no no i haven't had like a like not uh, only for me probably just just uh the research behind it but nothing mm-hmm. in terms where i've actually uh, applied it to my own practice as a teacher yep um i wanted to ask you about uh connected learning um yep. where it talks about um students at knowledge networks with the you know the the onset of the internet yep. um and students for example able to utilize it in an interest driven way um to to follow a similar process of learning to seek feedback so a great example um in this book i read by um john Seely brown uh, where it talks about students who engage. Have you heard of World of Warcraft? Yep. It's an online, massive multiplayer online game and about how students will engage with this game. They'll go, they'll move beyond the game to create a blog about the game. They will um, seek feedback um, of people because they have, um, it's like tribes where they've got teams and, you know, and seek feedback um, within these within these tribes of like-minded people who are, who are, experts of, mm. of this content do you see um a platform for massive multiplayer online games within traditional educational institutions oh definitely i think they when you pull them apart um to to kind of look at why why students themselves connect with them so much that i think they they show some some or identify some really good attributes that effective um, classroom environment should have so mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a very immersive experience that the students are able um, to connect with and see as as an authentic experience so there's high engagement um, mm-hmm. uh, the, often as like any good class or, or um, uh, project it's really a narrative as well so that's what the students themselves can connect with um, there's a certain level of mastery there as well mm-hmm. within the gaming in environment that um, that allows students to get that constant feedback Mm-hmm. Um, and then to be able to uh, feed that into the next, you know, whether it's going up different stages, um, yep. you know, so I think that's that's identified as a key key aspect of learning. Do you see, um, in my experience, students learning, there is definitely a willingness to play, a willingness yep. to just to get involved and, and have a go. Yep. Um, I guess technology developing at an exponential rate. Yeah. And you either have two dispositions. I don't know if I'm creating a false dichotomy here, but you either are willing to play and press all the buttons as a way to learn, or there is a bit of anxiety around that, which can then lead to, you know, a refusal to kind of adopt mm. new technologies and adapt to it. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, definitely. It's something that, um, that, that I've experienced with, with adults that, 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 um, work with in terms of that uh you know in some of the work that i've just done with with technology you know this this willingness for uh, people to want to write down everything that i've 
I'm telling them and, and trying to explain to them that mm-hmm. there's no use writing it down because, um, you know, the time that's taking to write it down, uh, you know, you're going to forget what it is. And, and it's kind of, I used to use the example in terms of that, um, you know, when you learn to drive a car, you don't, um, every minute stop and try and write down, turn steering wheel left, mm-hmm. push the, um, and so, um, adults are very comfortable in diving into that environment, but when technology comes uh, apart, there's there's lack of the willingness to, to do that. Um, and then where you watch students, they you know even games are set up to kind of be scaffolded where they'll run you through the the um, the bare basics of the game, and most kids just straight away click cross mm-hmm. and and may go back to that at a at a point in need but they they're willing to to just jump in and and trial the game they know they can't break it mm-hmm. and if they if they get stuck they'll go back to that tutorial there at the start there or ask another expert or you know their their ability to to find the answers is is um you know they'll look at forums and mm-hmm. um you show these really um explicit problem solving skills that they often don't get the opportunity to show in a classroom environment, mm-hmm. so yeah, I definitely see that there. That um, with those games, there's there's um, a, a purpose and a need within education, and and with with within those games that that um, disposition to go and seek. You know, we we talk about 21st century skills and to lay a platform for students to develop skills because, I mean, essentially we. There is, you know, futurists say that there are jobs that they'll be engaging in, employed in that aren't that don't exist yet. Mm. They'll be solving problems that we don't know are problems yet. Um, do you, do you feel that we're at a bit of a transition here with education, where there is content and outcomes, but we are looking at, you know, whether it be general capabilities in our current syllabus to develop skills. But is there any real assessment? Or do we even need to have an assessment for skills? What do you, what's your just your opinion on that? Yeah. Um, well, uh, in, so what's just popped straight into my head is is um, when we had our our first um, graduating class of students who undertook uh, project based learning. One of the uh, of the students reflected back. He went to a um, he wanted to get an internship with a um, he was one of our, our brighter students wanted to get an internship with um, Ernst and Young, an accounting mm-hmm. firm, and he sent through an application. Went to there was an interview process, so he turns up there um, for this interview process, and there's two hundred students, and um, they select ten from that. Wow. And, and he's walked in and he's looked around and he's seen students from selective schools, GPS schools, and he's thought straight away, I've wasted my time here. Oh, Until they said, okay, for this interview process, what we're going to do is we're going to put you in groups of five, we're going to give you a problem, and by the end of the day, we want you to present back um, your solutions to the problem. And straight away, he saw people around him shocked um, at that type of process. He's think, I've been doing this for for four or five years now this is my bread and butter um so he started to feel quite calm and as the day progressed he he started to see the inabilities of a lot of these students to be able to work together to share knowledge to to be problem solving in in that type of environment and um he's now and he's he's um fourth year at ernst young Mm -hmm. where he constantly has to come back to our school um to to present that that story um of of what what he's had And, and that that assessment that took place within that was was skill based. Mm-hmm. So providing an environment where 
people can assess those, those skills. So I, I and I, I see some universities now starting to to not just take on board um, the performance on the HSC or the ATAR as the only mm-hmm. measure, um, which is really only measuring knowledge of content at, yeah. at, at a fixed point in time and trying to have some of these interview-based um, assessments where they can really get a greater understanding of, of the skill disposition of, of their students mm-hmm. um, that they're going to allow into their courses. Well said. And um, now you're in a new role this year. Yep. Now you are a learner yourself. Yep. What are some of the new? Th- what are some of the the skills that you're working on yourself, or what are what are some new um, learnings that you've had in the first um, term and a half this year? Yeah, I think I think one of the um, I probably didn't appreciate um, uh, the the um, the the need for people to understand the the process. Um, first, rather than the actual the product. So, working with a lot of process in the PBL, sense. yeah, PBL, yeah. or just learning process for with, yep. with anything, um, mm-hmm. any type of. So, so often um, educators are really, really um, they just want to do it do it right, and they mm-hmm. and they want the recipe um, and and things to do things properly. Um, it takes more knowledge than just the mm-hmm. regurgitation of the recipe. So, mm-hmm. so trying to to work with with um, teachers, leaders in in understanding that, that the process is first and foremost par- paramount. That they under, have a deep understanding of that in mm-hmm. order to to create this learning environment, to create the changes within their school. So, mm-hmm. um, and and that's that's difficult work um, because sometimes it's not something that uh, is physical mm-hmm. and um, often um, schools are facing issues with very performance-based and driven mm-hmm. um, data and different things like that. So mm-hmm. so knowledge sometimes is, is very difficult to quantify and, mm-hmm. and um, so that becomes becomes a bit of an, an issue. Um, I heard a cool uh, saying, um, knowledge is ubiquitous, but being able to connect the dots is very rare. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's great to learn these processes whether it be for a project but being able to understand how this process links to the next process to get that holistic understanding yep is um is a is a sought after kind of skill and, and definitely and 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 that ability for people to challenge the why is is important and 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 you find there's there's this kind of um for schools going down journeys of transforming the learning agendas within their school they often start with the why and mm-hmm. and they do a really good job of of explaining to those those early adopters this is why why we need to do it and then they start to work on how they're going to do it and they get to the what and and what happens is after a couple of years they're so stuck within the what we're doing that people don't start to revisit and challenge the why and and they don't really get any growth of of the different practices so it's it's important that 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 why we're doing things is constantly um, re- yeah, revisited. Yeah, yeah, and and you want um, you know the collective intelligence of of your staff to really be trying to to better themselves to get a greater depth. Of, you know, and as you started that question, it's, it's about learning, mm-hmm. um, and then they need to be continually learning to feed back into the organisation for improving the outcomes of the students within their care. Gavin Hayes, thank you very much. Thank you. (laughs) Lovely to be here.